0: Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. This time we'll be talking about the strange tale of the Philadelphia Experiment, sometimes known as Operation Rainbow. We mentioned it a little bit last time.
1: Yeah, when we were talking about good old Nikola Tesla.
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh, Tesla was supposedly involved with this briefly. So was Einstein. Yes, indeed. He didn't like that it could cause people harm, and so he kind of complained about it, and then they fired him, basically. And then he died shortly thereafter, so that's interesting. Well, the story goes that the Navy conducted an experiment attempting to make the USS Eldridge invisible. At this point, World War II was in full swing. It was 1943, and the United States thought that it would be quite beneficial to be able to make warships invisible. Not just by radar, you know, invisible from radar, but invisible to the naked eye. They also liked the radar invisibility. Yes, I believe that's called Uh Degossing.
1: Uh, a is
0: that's making it. I don't think that actually keeps radar. I think that's a mind no. It's buster. it's
1: it was the U-boats um, also because they had a some sort of magnetic detector. the The German U-boats and so the degaussing made it like invisible to like them
0: specifically. Yeah, and they basically what it was is they had these giant wires coming off the ship or under the ship into the water, and they would pump magnetic stuff through it, or it would break up their signal or something like that. Pretty cunning. But they wanted to make shit invisible to the naked eye for very obvious reasons.
2: Yeah, who wouldn't
1: want to be able to be invisible?
0: I know, that pretty much negates the Nazis' ability to do anything. It negates the Japanese' ability to do anything. The Axis are fucking screwed if they can't see your navy.
1: Right. And I'm sure that if they did find the way of invisibility that they would there were so many things on their list that they would love to, to use it for and not just pertaining to World War II.
0: Oh yeah. I mean I
1: mean, who wouldn't everything. want to be able to be invisible? I would if I had powers of invisibility, I sure as fuck would be using them. Definitely. Hands down.
0: For my own benefit.
1: Uh absolutely for my yeah. own benefit.
0: The USS Eldridge was a cannon-class destroyer escort, commissioned August 27th, 1943, decommissioned June 17th, 1946, and then sold to Greece in 1951. I believe in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was turned to scrap, so it no longer
1: 1999 exists. 1999 is when it was yeah. turned to scrap metal. Uh, yep. I think when it was in Greece, it was known as the, uh, the U.S. Leon. Lyon. The Lyon.
0: Yeah. Or Leon
1: <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> Depending on how you
0: pronounce it. Depending upon where you are. <laughs> yes. On October twenty eighth, nineteen forty three, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Philadelphia Harbor, in the early evening, late afternoon, about five PM, the USS Eldridge became enveloped in a thick green fog. Greenish, like greenish blue, I guess. It disappeared and reappeared as if blinking. And then there was a flash of blue light, and it was gone. Though the water it displaced was still displaced, so it looked like there was something there still, but you couldn't see anything there. And I'm not clear if the green smoke was still there, or if the green or the green fog was still there, or if the green fog had dissipa- dissipated when the ship disappeared. After a few minutes, it reappeared, accompanied by the screams of sailors in pain some of the men had been actually fused to the ship. In some cases, they were able to amputate the limb fused, but in some cases, there was just too much of the sailor enveloped in the ship for there to be anything to really amputate.
1: Yeah, I always, like I mentioned this in in, uh, the Tesla episode, I always think of the fly, maybe not when he first became melded with the fly, but that last time he goes through the thing. Yeah, everything's uh, all fucked up. Yeah. yeah, he becomes, like, part of, like, the transporter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very,
0: very similar to that, really. Seems pretty gruesome. Oh, I think definitely.
1: some of the sailors were also, like, on fire and
0: burning and... Some were just sick. Uh, many went crazy. Yes. It was, uh... There was some that they sort of couldn't hold on to visibility. It was, uh... Fucking wild. Now, there's another thing that happens right around the time that Blue Flash happens, but we will, we're going to put a pin on that and we're going to come back to that. Okay. Morris K. Jessup sold auto parts and had a master's degree in astronomy. He actually had been working on his doctorate in astrophysics, but in 1931 decided for some reason that he was done. And he just started working regular person jobs, just regular old shit, you know, whatever things people did in the 1950s just i don't know line cook i don't know if he's a line cook but just regular shit
1: well maybe just it it would probably would be really stressful to be trying to get your doctorate in astrophysics that sounds like a lot of yeah work and thinking and so maybe just got to a point where it was like you know what i just want to do something where i don't have to Think all the time and be under yeah. all this stress and try and produce some, you know, whatever, like do a dissertation and all that kind of shit that you need to do. I can I, see I, how I, that I, would get old. Uh, I mean, yeah. He'd
0: already, he already had a master's, so he'd already been in school for a long time.
1: hmm Yeah, that's that's quite a bit. I understand that from having a very stressful, high-responsibility job, and then it's like, oh, I just want to do something where I'm not having to think about what I'm doing and... Yeah. Not having all this stress and
0: responsibility. Definitely. Having little responsibility at work is definitely cool. (laughs) Yeah. He also had written a book called A Case for UFOs. He wrote that in 1955. This book outlined many stories of things that could have been UFO encounters in the past and, uh, you know, from like ancient times and stuff. And then also it talked about his different theories on how flying saucers could work. He talked about the unified field theory and he talked about other things that just had to do with UFOs.
1: Well, maybe that's why he wanted to go into like, just, uh, uh, have an easier job so he could have time to write his book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He thought that UFOs should be taken seriously and they're finally starting to be taken seriously. They're not called UFOs anymore. They're called UAPs now, but the Navy is, seriously interested in them or is, you know, seriously are telling us that they're serious about it and stuff. I I believe, I believe they are. Yeah. They release some shit. I mentioned that he talked about Albert Einstein's unified field theory, and it's a fairly complicated theory. It's described on Britannica.com as an attempt to describe all fundamental forces and the relationships between elementary particles in terms of a single theoretical framework. There are four known fundamental forces, electromagnetic, gravitational, weak interactions, and strong interactions. We're not really going to go into what those are because it doesn't really matter to us that much. They're called fundamental because we so far believe that these are interactions that can't be further simplified. So these this is as easy as it gets. It also talks about, as I said, an elementary particle. An elementary particle is a subatomic particle that cannot be further broken down into smaller particles, according to our current knowledge anyway. Uh, These are broken down into matter and antimatter particles, of which matter particles are broken down further to quarks, antiquarks, leptons, and antileptons. So, if I understand this correctly, in a very basic sense, The unified field theory is an attempt to reconcile all the forces at play in the world as we know it with math, so we know how it works. I guess if you were able to know how it worked, you'd be able to manipulate it, and if you can manipulate it, then you can do things like teleport or turn invisible. The theory has yet to be proven, as far as we know. In 1956, Jessup began receiving letters from a guy who called himself. Carlos Miguel Alonde. Alonde claimed that he had been aboard a cargo ship, the SS Andrew Furoseth, at the Philadelphia shipyard back in 1943, and he'd seen the Eldridge disappear and then later on reappear. It was confirmed that he actually worked on that ship and one of the letters that he wrote to Jessup, he provided some sort of sailor ID number or something. And some people later were able to look into it and find out that, yes, he indeed... I mean, he wasn't a guy named Carlos Miguel Alande. He was a guy named Carl Meredith Allen. But, I mean, CMA...
1: That is a fascinating alias that he comes up
0: with. I know. I mean, (laughs) if my middle name was Meredith, I would definitely want to go with Miguel.
1: Right. But uh, he's like, I'm just going to make my name the same but like spanish
0: <laughs> yeah totally i'm
1: gonna turn carlos carl into carlos uh you know it into miguel, into miguel alan and into alande alande yeah i don't think i've ever even heard that last name alande but um i'm just gonna guess that he's just like all right how do i make alan you know
0: Debonair. Yeah,
1: (laughs) go along with the Carlos and the Miguel. (laughs) Alande. Excelente.
0: Well, old Alande here seemed to be a little disturbed in his letters. He seemed to be kind of mad at Jessup for not knowing some things. And he was talking about how he didn't really need to worry about the unified field theory because, you know, he'd seen that shit in action. He knew that that had been cracked because that's what happened to the USS Eldridge. They had somehow used their knowledge of this theory to make it disappear and and teleport or at least just disappear and possibly time travel. Some people think that it reappeared in Virginia and then came back and it sat there for a little while and then came back 10 minutes before it had arrived there. So it, appeared to have been gone for only a little while, or something wacky like that. At any rate, he believed that the unified field theory was what made the USS Eldridge do the thing that he saw it do, allegedly. Apparently, he had been noticing some weird shit about the Eldridge for some time. Apparently, it's had all kinds of funky like, generator things on it, just it, not the normal shit that was on a Destroyer-class ship, I guess. According to Alande, there was some side effects. Uh, not only just the uh, things we mentioned with the getting fused to the ship, but this invisibility field or teleporting or whatever the fuck would make people fade away entirely. Kind of random times, never to be seen again. This one guy was hanging out with his family, wife and his kid, and he walked through a wall and just disappeared. Never seen again. There was a couple of guys in a bar fight, and then mid-brawl, poof, they're fucking gone.
1: So was it actually at a bar or on the ship?
0: Like, No, this was, out of, fight? This was at a bar. This was at a bar on land. Okay. But so, they were stationed on that ship? They were supposedly sailors from the Eldridge. And then, of course, there's the people that all went mad. Of course. Of course. He did claim that there was a newspaper article to corroborate the story of the two bar fight guys, but he just, he told him some like weird shit, like, okay, it's going to be from a newspaper this year or this year, and it's going to be from a season that's not summer. So it didn't happen in the summer. And he gave like a two year period for a newspaper, most, most. Papers back then were likely daily newspapers so that would be a like, lot of oh, newspapers
1: yeah. to go through
0: oh god if you can even find them all and he didn't even say which newspaper it was oh wow yeah so that's some good good information some spontaneously combusted that was another side effect you know you said they're on fire yeah they just light on fire um another side effect was they would become immobilized they would just slowly start moving slower and slower until they weren't moving and if they didn't if people didn't help them move they would fall into a coma
1: maybe they were turning into
2: metal
0: maybe maybe they were all like stuck in time and going super slow but they were thought they were going regular speed another strange thing besides about what was in the letter about the letters was the way it was written the punctuation was all off and random letters were capitalized. Like, in the middle of a word, a random letter would just be capitalized. No good reason.
2: A bunch of words were were misspelled.
0: So that's, you know, that's fun.
2: I don't get it when people do the
1: whole, like, caps lock thing in the middle. Like, you see that these days, and I just...
0: Well, sometimes. It's supposed to be, displays someone talking from a place of stupidity when people do the alternating caps uncaps letters Mm. gotcha like hoarding gas people to be like i want to hoard gas and they would you know type it (laughs) like that
1: (laughs) oh i cannot believe the gas itch right now that is something else
0: well people we're, we're hoarders now when you when there's a pandemic we go for toilet paper so at least the one lady I saw double bagged her gas. Oh, my God. It's
1: like you just kind of, I mean, I don't really wish harm to people a whole lot. But I'm some just people, sure. Like, I just, yeah, <laughs> I just it's like something terrible needs to happen to you to learn to never do that.
0: Yeah, that's just that's a bad idea.
1: I mean, and I just hope that, you know, it wouldn't harm some other person, but. All I can think of, you know when they're putting all those gas the, the gas even in a proper gas canister all I can think about is like somebody accidentally rear-ending this person <laughs> oh,
0: right I or mean... just going to drive and there's all that gas smell and the gas smell overwhelms you and you start hallucinating and then you crash
1: yeah head on into like another person who was just driving by without hoarding tons of gas in their car
0: or maybe they were also hoarding tons of gas who knows
1: mm, maybe who knows? But, yeah, that's that's unfortunate.
0: It is unfortunate. It's quite unfortunate. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, at least we can wipe our asses with toilet paper.
1: That's true. And that it's gas just... is just going
0: to eat through those fucking plastic bags. Those plastic bags are going to go... If,
1: like, that's going to be useless. How are you going to get that into your car? Yeah, right? Like, how do they think that that's actually going to
0: work? I mean, I guess they could put a tube into it and, like, suck on the tube till gas comes out and then stick it in their tank
1: while they're trying to manipulate it in a plastic bag i mean like two people it's just it's just <laughs> fucking dumb it is
0: dumb at least it's use a dumb.
1: fucking gas can if you're gonna yeah. get an extra can or two of gas i need some for my my stupid uh my thing um you know weed that whacker? you use in, uh, my weed whacker yeah um and now I'm, like, almost embarrassed to go to the gas station and we'll fill up, like, a, my gas can. <laughs> is it a big gas
0: can or a little gas can? It's
1: actually a, a fairly small
0: one, so... And then what you do is you have the weed whacker with you. You just strap it to the top of your car or something and just reference it a lot. Like, look at it. Like, pet it. Like
1: yeah. Dust like, it like, off this a bit. is for my weed whacker. I'm not hoarding gas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're outside of that where that matters anyway. That was that pipeline thing the, pipeline yeah, pretty the much south, only affected east. the east coast and the southeast yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: another so <laughs> uh, Jessup responded to this letter and he asked for more information he was like hey this is interesting it kind of piqued his interest I was like tell me tell me more please tell me more about four months later he got another letter and it basically said that Alonde had no physical evidence, that the Navy would never admit to anything. Big shock there. But he said there were a couple people who could corroborate this stuff. One of those was a guy named Bertrand Russell. Bertrand Bertrand Russell is a British dude. He's the third Earl of Russell, and he's in the House of Lords. So I'm real sure that he was hanging out with Carl. You know? Carlos. <laughs> Carlos.
2: <laughs>
0: and then the other person who he said could kind of corroborate this was a guy named Dr. Franklin Reno. And he, I guess, was somehow involved with the Philadelphia experiment, whether he actually figured out the unified field theory or something.
1: Dr. Franklin Reno sounds like a guy who would totally have an infomercial, like a late-night infomercial.
0: At the bottom, it would say, not a real doctor.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Not qualified to give any medical advice. Use at your own risk. Well, Jessup did a little bit of research, and he was unable to come come up with any information on any of this Philadelphia experiment Or Operation Rainbow. He couldn't come up with any of it. No information about any of it. I don't know exactly how one went about doing that kind of research in the 1950s. Yeah, that must have been hard. Yeah, and I'm not surprised he didn't come up with anything. Was he just going to libraries? Was he talking to people that he thought were spies or something? Like, I don't know exactly how you go about Doing research. Making phone calls to the Navy.
1: The Encyclopedia Britannica.
0: Yeah, it's something. So he just sort of thought this was all bullshit. He went about his life. He was like, it's a joke. Or this guy's delusional or something. It doesn't matter. So he just continued being him. A year later. He received. He rec- Jessup received a phone call. From the ONR. They wanted to meet him. The ONR is the Office of Naval Research, and it's in Washington, D.C. Jessup was surprised to hear from the Navy. So he decided, yeah, I'll, to tell him, sure, I'll go see you. Let's go, let's see what this is all about. So he goes, he shows up, and they say hi, and they hand him a copy of the book he wrote, which is a weird thing for them to hand him because, I mean, he knows all about that book. He wrote the goddamn thing. He opens it up and he sees that it's been annotated, so it's got things written in the in the sides and all over the place. By I thought for what... a
1: second he was they were going to ask for an autograph.
0: <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, hey, uh, we really like your book. Can you sign up Would for? Do you us? mind signing this? That was all. The annotations were in three different shades of ink, and appeared to be from three different people. One of which a character that they referred to as Mr. A. They referred to two of the handwritings as Mr. A and Mr. B. And then one of the handwritings actually self-identified as Jemmy. Jimmy. Not Janie, but Jemmy. Not Jimmy, but Jemmy.
2: All right. And next was Colonel Mustard.
0: That's right. Mr. A had handwriting that was just like Allende's. Same misspellings, weird caps. It's weird because Mr. A and Mr. B sort of allude to the fact that they're possibly extraterrestrials. They also talk about how they're twins.
1: Wait a second, wait a second. This is making me think of Dreamcatcher.
0: I don't think I've seen Dreamcatcher.
1: How have you not seen Dreamcatcher? Stephen King Dreamcatcher. Okay, oh, well, maybe I actually have seen. It. I just Yeah, I, it's Mr. It it's something time. like that. Mr. Mr. B or Mr. C, something like that when it's like an evil alien.
0: I wonder if he uh knew about this stuff and so he put it into his book. It's possible.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just all of a sudden you know made me made me think of uh Made me think of Dreamcatcher. Yeah, Watch
0: well, out it's... for Mr. B, Mr. B and Mr. A, and Jemmy.
1: Maybe it's anyway. like a thing aliens like to do. They just like to name themselves after letters.
0: Maybe. Well, they didn't name themselves Mr. A or Mr. B. That's just what the Navy called them because they oh, didn't I self-identify. See. The the one that's called Jemmy self-identified as Jemmy, and then the I Navy see. just called Mr. A, Mr. A, because they had to have a way to to to. Talk about the two things.
1: I was thinking maybe in the annotations, like it was like signed, Mister B. No, no. Like this part is wrong
0: in your book. You need to correct this. No, no, no. That's, that's not it at all, Mister B. Nope. Uh, and it wasn't a lot of notes to the actual author. It was as if the three of them had been passing the book around, like maybe one of them read it and annotated some things, and the next one read it and then read the annotations and sort of answered the anno- the, the annotation, and then the third, you know, did sort of the same thing the three seem to know their shit they seem to know quite a bit about physics they mentioned the philadelphia experiment so maybe that's why the navy decided to call them I like why they're interested in it they also seem to know a lot about alien life and alien technology
1: so it wasn't anyone at the navy that actually did the annotations no of the book Somehow the Navy got the copy of the book with the annotations in it and then decided to bring the author in for...
0: The Navy was sent the book. I see. It was in an envelope, and inside the envelope was a manila folder. The envelope was addressed to Admiral N. Firth, Chief of the Office of Naval Research, so he's the boss of the place. And then on the manila envelope, which contained the book, or the manila folder, which contained the book, it said, Happy Easter, which is okay. written across the front of it. The reason that they called Jessup was because he was the only person that they could get a hold of. He was the only name in that book that was a person they could find. The return address was some farm in Texas that was abandoned. And so they, I mean, they were like, okay, well, that's a dead end. And so then, yeah, they called Jess up, and he showed up. He actually uh, had a couple more meetings with them. He gave them, he told them everything he knew about Alonde. He gave them all the letters that they had corresponded, or that he had gotten from Alonde. And the Navy gave the book and the letters to a corporation called Varo Corporation. They had a contract with the Navy and apparently did a little bit of research into the incident. Well, they made some hard copies of the book, and then they also made some digital copies. Apparently, you can find the book just on the internet. So, that
1: would make for some re- interesting reading. Yes. Oh, and it's Mister Gray. Apparently, is the the bad alien from Dreamcatcher.
0: I see. I see. Okay,
1: so I was a little. Well, off that does there. have
0: that does have letters in it. So
1: it does have letters.
0: Well, after um, a couple so, of years, I mean,
1: that lines up more with the reservoir dog type situation.
0: That's true. You know, Mr. That's Pink, true.
1: Mr. Blue, Mr. Gray.
0: Why do I have to be Mr. Pink?
1: <laughs> At least you're not Mr.
0: Brown. Mr. Brown sounds like Mr. Shit. Yes, it does. After a couple of years, Jessup wasn't doing so well. He had written a few more books that didn't really do much. He just got turned down for publishing another book. His wife divorced him. And one night, Some security guard was locking up some park or some shit, and they saw a car there, and he walked up and Jessup was found in the car, dead, apparently of carbon monoxide poisoning. You see, he had a dishwasher hose wired to his exhaust pipe, and then it fed around into the driver's side window, and all around the window had been jammed with rags so as to make a more airtight seal. Right. You know, a thing that almost never happens when people asphyxiate themselves in a car. And almost all the cases of that happening, it's very just jam the hose into the into the tailpipe and, you know, throw the, the tube in there and go. Very rarely is it wired in with a dishwasher hose, no less. That is very elaborate. It is quite elaborate. Well, his death was ruled a suicide and no autopsy was performed.
1: Hmm. It seems that's a little weird, yeah, because anytime it's not a obviously natural death, I think you're supposed to do an autopsy, even if it's, like, clear that the guy offed himself, you're still supposed to do it. Maybe
0: not in the 1950s? Maybe not, but... Or damn near 60s, I guess, at that point. It was, I think, 1959 that he was found dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't have those rules in, in place yet. But still, but
0: strange, strange.
1: Very strange. In
0: 1984, a fictional movie based on the Philadelphia Experiment came out. Appropriately, it was called the Philadelphia Experiment. I actually watched it. It's okay. I'd say watch it. It's not bad. Uh, it I
2: considered in- watching it, but I didn't.
0: Oh, it's okay. You know, it's it's fine. It's fine it was i mostly kept my attention i didn't really watch the whole thing i sort of zoned in and out as it was going but it was it was all right you know it was about these two navy guys and they were on the sh- a ship that had the green fog and the disappearing and the, like the navy was after them because they were radioactive or something and it was a whole it was a whole thing they ended up in the future and yeah they ended up in the 80s that's why people were chasing because they were in the 80s and they were like but we're from the 50s it was very Back to the Future in that regard. I was going to say. <laughs> it does. Uh, it, it was okay. It was an okay movie. I'd say, you know, give it a watch. Not so bad. A guy named Al Bielik saw this movie and suddenly remembered everything.
1: That's right. All of his repressed memories came flooding back to him.
0: That's right. He clearly remembered when he was nine months old. Not only can he clearly remember being nine months old, but all of the conversations you ever heard, he could understand. Like, almost no kids that are young can, you know? Even three or four-year-olds are going to be, have a lot of conversations go well over their heads. But he seems to remember all of these things.
1: I can't remember conversations I had last week.
0: I don't remember the conversation we're having now. Throughout school, he was known as an encyclopedia, a walking encyclopedia, because he just knew so much. And at some point, He passed some fancy exam and got recruited by the Navy. Remember that blue flash right before the USS Eldridge disappeared? Yes. As that was happening, two of the sailors aboard this ship jumped off. We'll get back to Al. They were brothers, Ed and Duncan Cameron. Ed was a pretty smart dude and attended both Princeton and Harvard, where he got his Ph.D. in physics. Duncan was like a psychic or something. Well, Ed was was recruited by a professor he met at Harvard into a top-secret project with the Navy. I guess Operation Rainbow. But whatever the case, Ed and Cameron were on the Eldridge on the day it did its thing. So it disappeared and they were on it. But as it's disappearing, they dive off of it. And when they hit the water, they said it didn't really feel like they hit water. When they came to, they came to in the year 2137. Apparently, their journey was not a nice one because they both ended up badly burned. They ended up being in a hospital in the 22nd century for six weeks. Well, that's where you want
1: to be, though. I mean, if you're going to get really badly burned, I'd want to be in a future hospital.
0: Yeah, not in a burn ward here where they scrub your burns. Yeah, that's called
1: debridement, and it sucks.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound like that's as much fun as it could be.
1: No, and I mean, certainly you wouldn't wouldn't have gone back in time.
0: No, because then when you would just were die. Even of worse, yeah.
1: yes. So yeah. future time, I'm hoping they they've come up. I I would think it, I want it to be like Star Trek.
2: It's I guess kind of where close. they
1: just like hold the little thing over you and you're cured. <laughs> oh
0: well, they took a, it did take them six weeks, so it's not quite that that advanced, I guess. But they were. Are there food brought.
1: replicators?
0: I. They didn't say. Did they, they say did
1: anything say. about food replicators? They
0: did not say anything about food replicators. We know. Everyone knows how much Damn you it. are into food replicators. I know. I know. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so somehow, it's not really clear how, but near the end of the hospital stay, Ed ended up traveling further into the future to twenty-seven forty-nine again waking up in a hospital bed. This time, the technology was some serious shit. Well beyond that of 2137. Which is what I would assume he was comparing it to, since obviously it's going to be well ahead of 1950s.
1: Yes, I imagine so.
0: Earth in the 28th century consisted of very tall cities. They would go about two and a half miles in the sky. There was some anti-gravity going on, so some of them were floating. It's like the Jetsons a little bit yeah except that the dense that the population of the planet had fallen to 300 million the whole planet 300 million america which is obvious which is interestingly still around had a population of 50 million that's
1: a significantly less
0: oh yeah there's like that's 7 or 8 billion, billion on the people. planet today mm-hmm. and down to 300 million I guess there was some sort of shift to the way that they were living and that caused many people to die. You see, now there is an AI that controls the Earth. There is no labor. There's no money. Government's completely outdated. You're given credits or something so that you can get things that you want, but there's no money. So I don't understand Mm -hmm. how that works, but he... Chills out here for a couple of years. It's a cool place. He's a tour guide there. I don't know why a tour guide, he's, he's the new guy in town. And he's like, I'm going to be a tour guide. I guess what better way to explore the city than to be a tour guide? Well, Uber Eats would be out of the question, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember his talking to the programmers of the AI? That runs the world, and they refer to themselves as wingmakers. They decided to tell him what their agenda was. Like, this is what we're doing here and he didn't remember it i guess well ed somehow again decides he needs to go back and get his brother in 2137 so he does we get all this information from al because al
2: is ed
0: so they end up Al and his brother end up in 1983 in Montauk, New York. At a place where they're doing a thing called the Montauk Project, which is some more time-travel-y ass shit. They somehow convince the brothers to go back to 1943 and destroy the device on the Eldridge that caused it to go invisible.
1: So they have to stop it all from happening.
0: Yes, and that is how Ed and Cameron got there. It's some tiny ui shit that happens.
1: Well, you know, when it's time travel stuff, things just never really fully make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, like, so, so, like, Cameron got all fucked up somehow and started aging every, like, a day, every hour or something. So they had to go back in time and convince his parents to have another kid. And they put Cameron's consciousness in that kid. And then so Cameron went back to working. And Ed got into some trouble with the people, the Montauk folks, somehow. And so they regressed him to 1927, where he was born as Al Bielik. I see. Yes. So it's a weird bunch of stuff. We'll talk about the Montauk Project another time because it's kind of its whole own deal. But it involves Ed and Cameron, and then it involves Al Bielik in a, in a way, since it involves Ed. That's a
1: pretty elaborate story.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the Philadelphia experiment. It's a weird bunch of stuff that is kind of convoluted and doesn't really all go together very well. But it's it's probably didn't happen, you know?
1: (laughs) I am a little sus. Although there's been a few alternate stories about the USS Eldridge. I mean, it was a real ship. It was so, a real ship.
0: I mean, it it actually existed, yeah.
1: There is that. We know for sure that that happened. There's there's a couple alternate theories as to what actually happened, but both of them seem to have quite a few holes in it, too. There is an article on military.com by Shannon Korbel. Now, according to this article, the article first goes over the sto- what basically what you just said mentions Jessup mentions uh you know the the guy who had the memories and all that kind of stuff Jessup's book. and Jessup's albilic yeah, and albilic yep, and that that whole deal there was the experiment to go invisible was real although it was just the de- degaussing technique to go invisible to the the german u boats and it provide i guess when you when you do that it protects you from the magnetic torpedoes launched by the u boats
0: yeah yeah handy
1: very handy and so while the uss eldridge was in the harbor in philadelphia they were running the experiment to see if they could make that happen, and that there was an actual green glow around the ship. This green glow has been described as possibly either an electric storm or St. Elmo's fire. That is a weather phenomenon, which plasma is created in a strong electric field, which gives off a bright glow. How
0: weird is that?
1: And the whole reappearing in Norfolk, Virginia was also witnessed, and they say that that happened because the USS Eldridge traveled through river channels that only the military had access to and it traveled from Philadelphia down to Norfolk Virginia in a matter of hours which is why it was seen by people both in Philadelphia and in Norfolk Virginia on the same day which may have given some credence to the whole teleportation
0: right right idea because it would take it takes a lot less time to go through the rivers you don't have to the ocean is kind of around and the rivers would be more as the crow flies.
1: Yeah, if you went around it would take 2 days to get there.
0: Back then, I'm sure it takes less time now.
1: Yeah, probably so. But going around would have been, at the time would have been 2 days journey whereas they were able to go the 300 miles between Norfolk, Virginia and Philadelphia within a matter of a few hours. Yeah. And then vice versa for it coming back. The only thing that kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me is is there's not anything that really verifies that where they, the Navy's just come out and said, like, yes, we were running this experiment. Yeah, there was this weird green glow. And then for whatever reason, we decided to travel to, to Norfolk. And then we went back. Uh, I mean, no one has really come out and said it. This is just... It seems like it's... Kind of trying to make sense of a weird situation that people presumably witnessed, and they're just kind of like putting this together. Well, this is what makes sense. This the electrical field, because it could have caused this uh, St. Elmo's fire, and then they, it could have traveled through these secret river channels from Philadelphia to Norfolk, and that would be why people saw it in two places in the same day
2: i don't know
0: and time being relative people in the 1950s everything took longer then and yeah. so things happening quickly aren't things that we would today think would happen very quickly like six hours like jesus christ that's of course that's i mean that's that's ridiculous why do they think it just appeared there but if they don't have instantaneous communication, sort of like we do, I mean, they did right, kind yeah, of, no, not right, yeah, know what nobody's
1: like sitting there posting pictures and uploading it to their Instagram,
0: yeah, yeah, it's in just, real
1: time, like, oh, look, I just posed for the selfie in front of the u s s Eldridge in Norfolk, but also, I posed for a selfie in front of it in Philadelphia, and also
0: sailors are notorious for telling tall tales throughout history. Sailors are telling tall tales, so you've got all these sailors. And they're coming in and out of this harbor, just like merchant sailors and shit, where the USS Eldridge is and has been doing experiments of all kinds. And so these sailors see weird machines and equipment that they've never seen before. They hear weird sounds that they haven't heard before, and they just come up with stories. I mean, that could easily be the case.
1: I'm also just, I want to know more about these inland canals because it seems like it's a pretty goddamn big ship. Like,
0: I don't know. I believe it's a 300-foot ship, so it's fairly large.
1: That's a pretty large ship. And I believe there's some land canals or rivers that it, it could travel through safely, but all 300 miles between Philadelphia and Norfolk, Virginia, like, that's just odd. It's a little odd to me, but it, it makes more sense than the whole, you know, it the teleportation, teleportation? and the time travel and the, yeah, the well, you know, fusion and of sailors and whole, I don't know, I guess it's... Like I said, it, there's just nothing official where they're like, actually, it was, we were doing this and this is how this worked. It seems like you're trying to kind of put together rational explanations for stuff that may have been happening and this is yeah, maybe yeah. why. So,
0: and as far as getting it through rivers, if these are rivers that only the military can use, I'm pretty sure they're going to dig it so that, you know, dig it out. They're going to have the engineers come in and make sure they can get their ships where they need to get their ships. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense to have a way you can get your warships to and from your different ports a little bit quicker than having to go all the way around, especially because ships this size were fairly new, you know, that's true. Newish.
1: That does make sense. I think I was just kind of shocked that there were secret military only access canals in the first place. So pretty cool. (laughs) It is pretty cool. I mean if it's true it's pretty cool. And it does Seem to to line up with a with an event that can be explained much better, and and seems like maybe this actually happened. But again, officially, not officially, nothing happened. Officially, yeah. everything about There's the nothing, the, I mean... the Philadelphia experiment, no, nothing happened. No, no experiment. No, no rainbow. No project rainbow. Operation Rainbow. There is another article on ha- uh, how it works that alleges sailors from the USS Eldridge at some point years later got together and it was they have all stated that the Eldridge was actually never in Philadelphia at the time that the Philadelphia experiment happened. It was actually in new york
0: yeah it you can see where the official logs are but
1: yeah that's know, an, it, that's in the official, official log
0: are pretty easy to the,
1: fudge, those you know, could be uh, fudged especially back in like 1943 it's just like handwritten what do you do just like rip out the page and like oh, it's probably pfft.
0: typed there's there's uh, the typewriters and shit
1: there was typewriters but yeah, I mean, I just don't know if the, how they did the ship's log, whether that was something that was oh probably yeah, in right. by hand. I feel like that, that was be. just like written in by maybe, hand, probably. Maybe.
0: Who knows? It was rudimentary, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, nothing like today' time. So there's the idea that nothing at all happened because it wasn't even in Philadelphia, according to the ship's logs and some ex-sailors from the USS Aldridge. And then there's the theory that, yes, it was in Philadelphia. Yes, there was this weird glow. Yes, they were working on some new science-y electromagnetic cloaking shit. And yes, it did end up appearing 300 miles away in Norfolk, Virginia, on the same day. But here are all the rational explanations
2: behind it.
0: Yeah, you know, I can completely believe that our military would conduct experiments to do things just like this invisibility yes. things like super soldiers that's what mk mm-hmm. Ultra was all about was trying to get people to go into places and be ticking time bombs basically and that i mean wasn't i guess cia we can be fought, put in with the military just the whole fighting arm of american
2: well their government, government.
0: yeah 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 And so, I mean, I can completely, completely see them trying to do that. I can see them fucking up royally and and making a big explosion. Yeah, I don't think that if they had been able to teleport that ship, that we wouldn't have some kind of teleportation shit now. That I don't think we would have been at war for as long as we were during World War II. I'm sure every place would be speaking American English right now if, Americans had figured out teleportation. I just I can't see us not just using the shit out of it. Yeah, you, know? you
1: don't think that like if we uh, had that ability that we would have just been like, okay, well we're just going to use it this one time, this one sitch. Yeah, like that's yeah, it, right? No, that's... we would be
0: like, hey Stalin, guess what? You're fucking dead. Fuck you, USSR. Guess what? United States of America. I mean, there would not have been a Cold War. There wouldn't have been. There would have been nothing. We would all be speaking American English.
1: Also, I think that if they were trying to find that technology and something did did go terribly, terribly wrong, yeah, that that would have been like covered up big time.
0: Oh, definitely. If something like this did happen, we would never know about it because yeah, it would be definitely covered up. None of this shit where they would be like, oh yeah, let's uh release it in a few years. No, that would be the information would be burned and even getting so close there's no way we would have stopped there's no way we would have got our nazis after world war 2 even if we had not been able to get it to work in world war 2 we would have got all those nazis and they would have all put their nazi brains together and started working on that you know the operation paperclip boys
1: yeah, although maybe it did actually work and the guy's story is right, you know, they had to go back and like destroy it because maybe yeah, we ended yeah, up maybe. destroying ourselves. Like maybe we already had a future where we used it and it worked and we used it too much and now we're back at this only because the brothers went back and disabled it.
0: Disabled it and then
1: Or maybe those stuff, yeah. those uh messages tesla was receiving the one that made him quit yeah. the the project maybe that was the brothers messaging him from the future telling him not to do it he thought it was aliens it was these two guys
0: maybe maybe
1: they were saying like no it's really going to fuck people up and it's going to you know create this whole snowball effect and things just things are just going to be super fucked up so you got to quit the project nicola quit the project so he quits the project, but maybe that wasn't enough, so they had to actually go back and destroy it, and this is why we're here discussing it now, and that's why nobody nobody can really explain what happened to the Eldridge, other other than there's some crazy stories out there, and it was retired to Greece, and now is scrap metal.
0: Yeah, and the everyone end. aborted, thinks <laughs> nothing happened. The The way that they get around saying that no one talks about like the people the sailors that are were still alive that were aborted why they didn't say anything was because they had to, had their minds erased yeah like Al's had been until Al saw that movie the philadelphia experiment in
1: 1984
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> that part just cracks me up it's just like just watching the philadelphia experiment like holy shit i was that guy hey but who doesn't look a good time traveler story you know
1: Yeah, my biggest takeaway is I I don't think that uh, I'm a little suspicious of uh, the author's death. Yeah, 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 that's that's a little uh, sus to me.
0: That is, I mean, it is not an maybe he knew too much. Not an uncommon way for suicide, but it's not. It it was done uncommon.
1: It was. I mean, maybe he was just. He was a creative guy, obviously.
0: Yeah, he wrote several books. So I would like to get maybe... a hold of the his book, The Case for UFOs. Apparently it's a it's a staple in UFO in ufology even today. I guess it's, you know, a pretty fine book. You can get a ebook copy for, I think, under ten bucks or maybe ten bucks, but a hard copy version is six to nine hundred.
1: Wow. So
0: I'm assuming it's out of print.
1: I would like the copy with the Annotations. annotations on it yeah
0: yeah i'd like to see this, uh, this craziness
1: the whatever it was that that got the us navy a little bit
0: hot under the collar yeah <laughs> yeah some uh something else kind of a, a strange story a very very strange story it is
1: it is a strange story there's enough little bits and pieces that i can kind of get i can kind of get and kind of make sense but um, overall, I'm, I'm not really sure what to think. I'm not sure which version is correct. I'm not really buying the whole super spectacular version. The somewhat rational version, maybe. And then there's, like, the version, like, nothing ever happened at all, and this just all got made up Maybe Alande was
0: just kind of crazy, and he...
1: Alande sounds a little bit crazy, I mean, in my opinion.
0: if you think about it, In the 1950s, you didn't really have many many places to get your weird out, you know? You were just, you didn't have an internet. You couldn't go to Reddit where you could, you know, talk to your weird friends. You couldn't go on to Facebook and, you know, spout your theories about stuff. And so I'm sure a lot of these people who were writing these kinds of paranormal-style books, I mean... They were probably getting like a lot of letters from people who are also into it who were a little bit weird and finally just kind of getting all their crazy out onto paper
1: all right so that maybe, would make a great book in it in and of itself would be know, just right? le- letters to authors of you know occult and paranormal
0: yeah, I mean, yeah I'm sure. publishings, yeah, yeah, and so Olende was just kind of a a sick guy, but I don't know how the Navy got involved, maybe he never actually maybe uh Jessup never went to the Navy, maybe that was just. A made-up part of the story. It's
1: or maybe Jessup it was true, somebody, made and somebody mailed the uh, the copy of his Jessup's book with all the the weird little notes in it, and they're just the neighbor's just like, "Hey, Jess,
0: what's or uh, Alande could have done deal that. Alande could have written all of them. Have, yeah, just different colored pens and doing his funky way of writing in one and then two different ways, and pretending to be three different people, or maybe maybe three he was pers- three different people. Yeah, okay, three different personalities. That's possible as well." And then sent it to the Navy, and the Navy's like, what the fuck is this? Let's get a hold of the author? Like, hey, man, what do you think? And, like, do you know, you know anything just, about this? Yeah, like, who knows? You know, in SG-1, they'll always send Jack O'Neill out if anyone has, like, a real good story about Stargate. You know, they'll just be like, oh, well, let's, let's see what's going on. Let's see what these people actually know. Are they an alien? You know, so maybe it was something like that. They sent, called the guy in to see if he was the whack job, and if not, like, maybe they could point him to who and see if they knew anything, and I mean, who knows? Who knows? But I think that is about it for the Philadelphia Experiment. I'd like to thank you all very much for listening. You can take a look at the podcast syndicate we're a part of at ageofradio.org. Our page there is ageofradio.org slash strangerthan. You can also find us pretty much any place that we are at, at either Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. We have a Facebook group. The Strange Space. Join it. We share some memes and you've got information about the show. You can also join our Patreon, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast, where you get a true crime episode for free every month at a $5 a month donation. And the two and $5 a month donations get you ad free regular episodes. We also have an option for a $1 a month donation, and that we just give you a hearty thanks. Thanks. Other than that, oh, we actually had a guy that would every so often join us, our Patreon. And then when I'd go to look, because it sends me an email, I'd go to look and there would be, he wouldn't be there. Like, that's super weird. And it would happen like every month. And then I realized he was joining and then downloading our shit or listening to our shit and then canceling before he had to pay. Which is a total dick move, you know? It's like, <laughs> come on, man. At least, i like, I mean, five bucks. I mean, just do it for a month and you get a shitload of content. Don't just be fucking jacking us. And so fortunately, I was able to block his dumbass. So now he can't fucking steal our shows. <laughs> <laughs> Super rude. And I think with that, uh, we'll probably talk to you next time. And stay strange. Thank you.